Hey, son, how you doing? I'm doing good, Dad. Josh, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing today, Papa? Uh, hey, Dan, Josh, it's so good to see you. I'm doing fine, thanks to Calvary. And I uh, understand we're going to talk some more about biblical salvation. I'm excited about that. Dan, oh, what sure. you got going for us? Yeah, thank you for your endurance, both you and our listeners. Uh, we've, um, I think this is week four, as we're talking about biblical salvation. Uh, this week, we hope to uh, get through uh, our discussion of examples of the gospel, uh, those who had some interaction with Jesus, and then just talk about a few of them and uh, and discuss the aspects that we see there of salvation for, based off of what we've learned. Uh, just to refresh your memory, we, we started this uh uh, this discussion about these individuals last week. Uh, we talked about the woman at the well from John 4. Also, we talked about the thief on the cross, the centurion at the foot of the cross. And uh, finally, we discussed Nicodemus last week. So uh, staying in that same vein of conversation, let's jump right into uh, John chapter 8, and let's talk about the adulterous woman. So uh, I... Uh, I, I almost hate using that expression. This is a woman who was caught in adultery. But if you don't mind, I'm, I'm just going to jump right into the reading. It's uh, John chapter 8, and I'm going to start verse 2. Verse 2 begins with, in the, in the early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, This woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let he who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with a woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. So I want to stop right there. So this is uh, an account of Jesus speaking to a woman who, uh, according to those who brought her before Jesus, was caught in the act of adultery. And Jesus' interaction with both her and the crowd that had brought her uh, hmm. leads us to this statement of, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. So, the question that I have for you, listeners, do we think that this woman is saved? Do we think that she accepted Christ as Savior? I mean, from Christ's comments uh, in verse number 11, uh, neither do I condemn you. Um Go now and leave your life of sin. I, I I can't speak to the woman's heart, but I can speak to to Jesus's ability to um, read a person's heart. And uh, I don't think that 
um, you know, that, that he would have stated that if she wasn't ready and, and willing to accept um, the gift that he was giving her. Um, so I, I think that's probably the salvation moment there is in, is in verse number 11. And uh, with that, I mean, that's, that's um, you know, I, who am I to, to go against what, what Christ said, um, that, that he doesn't condemn her. Okay, Dad. What are you saying? Well, I I appreciate your reading of the scripture, and Josh, I appreciate your comments concerning that. Uh, I don't know that there's any other record of this particular incident um, that uh, where there's evidence that uh, she actually went away as a believer. Uh, other than what is said there, Josh, I do appreciate that insight into what you have said and the thoughts that you have had. Certainly he knew her heart as he knows our heart. And uh, <clears throat> for any and all of us, we, like God, would like for everybody to come to the understanding of who Jesus is and put our their particular trust and faith in him as we have. And I, Hope and pray that uh, some who might be hearing these last uh, f- on these last three, and now then this fourth time that we're talking about biblical salvation, that uh, any and all that I do here could come to an understanding and place their trust and faith in the Lord Jesus. Uh, we we merely have uh, <clears throat> a story here of someone who is taken in an act of adultery. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I can't. I can't speak to it any further than what's already been said. So this is this is where it gets interesting. So let me let me tell you what I'm reading. Let me show you what I'm reading. Joshua hit the right spot. Joshua said, "Verse eleven. So we don't know much about her, but we sure do know much about Jesus." We know that Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. So Jesus stated, I don't condemn you. We found in John 3, uh, we, everyone's familiar with verse 16 of John 3, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then verse 17 that follows that says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So at this moment, we could we could discuss and argue, or not argue, but debate. I know some people have problems with the word argue, but usually when I say it, it means debate. We could discuss the context of Jesus. He's simply in this moment looking at her, and those who had originally condemned her, and he's saying, I don't condemn you either. So here's what's interesting. The woman did not defend herself. There, the group of people brought her before Jesus, and likely she was guilty of adultery because, according to them, she was caught in the very act of it. So that's fascinating to me. Where's the man? I, I've never never really understood this story because they brought one person. I don't know how one person can commit adultery by themselves. But where is the man that she was caught committing adultery with? 
So they bring her, and then they do this to test Jesus according to Scripture. But they're there to condemn her. They are there to point at her and and not only uh, publicly uh, condemn her of her sins, but they are there to stone her according to the law. So if they are about to do all these things and she has no defense, then I am led as the reader of this passage to believe that she is likely guilty of that sin. So if she is guilty of the sin of adultery, and Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go from now on and sin no more. And I think KJV is similar, but a little different. So I think it says, neither do I condemn thee, but go and sin no more. Is that correct, Dad? Yep. Neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. Right. So he's telling her, I don't condemn you. And go and sin no more. So this statement is actually very similar to something I hope to look at a little later tonight, where Jesus is forgiving sin. He's not condemning her sin. So can we assume that he's forgiving her sin? Can we, is that a safe understanding of this passage? Yeah, and I would say so. I would, I would also caveat what, what you were saying about adultery and, and that Christ remind our listeners that Christ um, uh, said that anybody look, that looks at somebody else with a lustful eye um, is committing adultery. So, you know, yeah. when we talk about this this woman, um, she's no better than any of us um, uh, in, in, in God's eyes. So, you know, it's uh, she, she's committing a sin that everybody at, um, at a certain age and beyond has, has committed in their heart already. So we... So, Dad, have, do you have any thoughts? Do, do you do you think Christ is forgiving her of her sin at that moment? He uh, says, neither do I condemn thee. I would think so. I would think so with the words that he has said. Uh, there's a whole lot of people there other than her and the ones who had brought her into that. He was at the temple he was teaching, and then once this uh, is over with, and I'm assuming when he said what he did to her in verse number 11, then she leaves the scene, and uh, she's probably in her mind, in her heart, because it's just speculation, she's remarkably cleansed, and uh, he continues to teach. And so the remaining part of chapter number eight is what he was teaching. And he's uh, always uh, <clears throat> teaching truth because he is truth. And uh, <clears throat> I'm sure that what he taught following that uh, had much to do with what they had all just witnessed him forgiving. And uh, I, I, you know, not like, but uh, I've often myself thought of the same thing, Dan, that you mentioned. Uh, where's the man? Even in our society today, yeah. when things of this nature takes place, a lot of times the man gets off scot-free. Yeah. And uh, the, <clears throat> the woman is left holding all the, uh, the guilt, the shame, <clears throat> the, the responsibility, being caught in, in, in a situation like that. Yes, sir, but, but and, and those are, those are uh, all good points. But 
let me try to focus right back to the one question. Did Jesus forgive her? Uh, Can you commit to a yes or a no? Uh, yes, he forgave her. Okay. Without her asking. Right. Josh, did Jesus forgive her? Yes or no? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I, I think we all agree that Jesus forgave her. Now, here's here's where it gets interesting. When Jesus forgives, does he forgive partially? No, completely. Or does he forgive wholly? Wholly. So he is, she is, here's, here's what, when you get into the theology of your understanding of who Jesus Christ is, when he forgives, it's complete. What's the it's permanent? What's the psalm that talks about uh, your my sins are as far as the east is from the west? Uh, talk, it talks about how the God has cast our sins as far right. as the east is from the west. Right. Who is it? Who is it, Dad? There's uh, some preacher that I grew up with. I used to say, God threw him in the sea of forgetfulness and put up a no fishing sign. Yeah, no fishing. <laughs> yeah. I like it. So, uh, but. Here's my thing. You you made a comment, and I'm glad you did that. I'm I'm not. Uh, I, I don't. I'm I'm not. Um, I'm not condemning you. Let's use that word. I'm not condemning you. I, I just want to bring out something you said because it's typical. It's 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 something that we understand. You said, I don't know about what happened afterwards with her. So you find yourself thinking, okay, so what evidence can I see in this woman's life that she actually changed? So, right, right. So you're you're wanting to look for something from her. Here's what we all too often forget: when it comes to salvation, it's got nothing to do with her. It's got everything to do with Jesus. Uh, salvation itself, I agree with that. But once the person is saved, just like he said, go and sin no more. Right. You have to believe that if she was truly saved, she didn't go. She she followed his commandment. That was a commandment. What do you mean if she's truly saved? That she she's not going to go and, and revert back to adultery. Okay, but she's... She's truly saved. So when Jesus forgave her of her sin, she's not saved? Uh, I'm not saying that she's not truly saved, but she's still a, she's still living in the flesh. That's just true with all of us. I sin. Sure. I've, I've sinned since I say, was saved. But it, I will say her sin. Pain, I've sinned plenty of times. So when, when Jesus Christ forgives you and you accept that forgiveness— if you sin after that point, are you are you no longer saved? Uh, you are forever saved. You are right. eternal. You are secure in the Lord. I've not always believed that, but I believe that now because of Scripture truth. And and we're going to get into that hopefully next week, and yeah. we're going to talk about eternal security. But yeah. what what I want to draw us to see, we are looking for more evidence that we can judge the condition of her heart. But what I wanted to do with this. I wanted us to see it's got nothing to do with her at this point. It's the condition of our heart that draws us to Christ to accept Christ. In this situation, Christ forgave her of her sins. And as you brought up a moment ago, she didn't even ask. So 
the salvation, the, the real miracle in salvation is Christ injecting into the situation. It's Christ's forgiveness of our sins. It is, yeah. it is not our asking for forgiveness. So uh, what led him to say what he said, neither do I condemn thee for sin no more? Was it, was, that's a, that's was a great what, question. Because what he had said to the others, you who are without sin, let him cast the first, the first stone. stone. And they began to leave. One by hey. one, they left. Now, obviously, they already had stones in their hands. Can can I? They they were ready to stone her. Can can I interject really quick? Yeah. Um. So the the in the NIV the the wording's a little bit different. Um. I don't know which one's more accurate as far as what was originally written, but um, the wording says, um, "Go now and leave your life of sin." So it's for me that 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 speaks a little bit differently than than go and sin no more because. Obviously, everybody's going to sin again. I, I, I send every day, right? I think everybody sends every day in some way, um, it, whether they realize it or not. Um, no matter how you know good, quote unquote, good of a Christian you are, um, but uh, um, you know to to leave your life of sin, I think, is what 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 Christians ought to do. What what Christians are called to do. What what Christ you know forms us forms us to do. We still live with the flesh, but. Um, we we don't live to sin, right? We 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 live um, to serve Christ. It's not it's not the same thing as we. Even though we do sin, it's 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 no longer the same for us because we we're not living to chase that next um, dopamine fix that that's caused by um, us going out and sinning. Let's 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 go back to Dad's question for a second, Josh. Yeah. So Dad asked, why would he say that? What, what what led him to say that? So your 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 vision, okay? These people brought her to Jesus, and then Jesus said to them, "Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Let you without sin cast the first stone." So then he looks up; they're all gone. A few moments later, he has that conversation with her. But, you know, according to this passage, there's still people observing this. You know who those people are? At the beginning of this passage, it says, Early in the morning he came again to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The Pharisees. And then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. So he's already got disciples. He's already got people listening to him teach. He is seated, and they are all standing around him listening. And then they bring this woman to Jesus in the midst of these people. So there's still people there that he's teaching because after his exchange with her in 11, you see in 12 that he says, again, Jesus spoke to them. Yeah. That's the people who were already there. Right. Because the, the scribes and the Pharisees had already left. Yeah. One by one. So, right. They, they all left, but the rest of the people stay. Yes. And then, then he begins right there and says, I am the light of the world. This is fascinating to me, this passage, and I don't, I don't want to get hung up here yet. I, I want to finish with conversation about the lady, uh, about the woman. But he's echoing what he already told Nicodemus in, in John 3. Here it is, John 8. It's later. And he's echoing, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness and will have the light of life. 
So this this is what we talk about in John three, where it was this contrast between this uh, light, darkness, good, evil. You know, uh, for Joshua's sake, we could talk about Star Wars. You know, the the force and the dark side, and but it was it was him beginning to tell them, "I am the light of the world. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Follow me." Quit living in sin. But as he told her, go and sin no more. So he's showing that he's not there to condemn her. And in making that statement, I wholeheartedly believe that he forgave her. I think we all agreed that he forgave her. And if he did, that from that moment forward, her salvation is not dependent upon her. It's been granted by him. At, at this point, Jesus is still alive. So she can't trust his death, burial, and resurrection. That hasn't happened yet. But I, I, I am wholly confident that Jesus' forgiveness is permanent. It is, it is final. It is complete. It is whole. There is nothing else needed. It's Jesus Christ plus nothing minus nothing. And and this is this is a little difficult because... Again, this formula we talked about, you know, we, we talked about, you know, I, I, you've heard me say it over the past few. We need to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That is a step that we take now, being on the other side of the, the uh, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. We accept that. When we hear that, the Holy Spirit convicts us of that. He shows us that that's true, and it's through him being an agent inside of, inside of my breast that led me to go, wow. You are the Son of God. Because blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. This is divine knowledge. This is divine understanding that Dan Underwood has received. Because I realize that he is the Son of God. He is who he says he is. Who he says he is and I put my faith in him. That is, the, that is the slightest aspect of my involvement in my salvation. So God is sovereign. Jesus is God. Therefore, Jesus can save whom he will. Our involvement in it is simply receiving the gift he gave us. This woman right here, I would argue she she received his absence of condemnation. And, and using logic, the inverse or the logical equation of absence of condemnation is forgiveness. Therefore, she received, she accepted his forgiveness. And then she left. And hopefully, she went and sinned no more. But she, we'll learn in First John, she likely struggled with some degree of sin until the last day she drew a breath. Because that's the reality. Even Paul said that, you know, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I do, I don't want to do. You know, if Paul can struggle with that. Yeah, if Paul can struggle. Romans 7 is all about that, the struggle with the flesh. We all have that, and I'm sure she did as well. Sure. uh, But she's much like the woman at the whale. Right. There just follows a testimony, it seems, beyond that, that she recognized who the Messiah was. And I guess that's the reason that I was uh, saying what I did earlier no, concerning her, because there's no record of anything right, right. beyond that that she said. 
I understand that, and and I do. And and again, using the word condemnation, I, I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm, I'm trying to oh, use understand. that as a highlight. That, and I, that, and I, I accept I accept it in that spirit. I know it's not uh, you're not condemning me. Um, um, uh, here, here, I'm speaking from the experience of a pastor. How many times in my lifetime have I heard somebody give the testimony? You know, I don't know a person's heart. I certainly wouldn't know this person's heart. <laughs> Everybody's like, and uh, so we we can't know her heart. We just know that she was taken in an act that was against the God's perfect will. We're all yeah. guilty of that many, many times in our life. And then uh, brought into his uh, presence by religious people and, and use it. That's the same kind of problem we have in the today. Yeah. But uh, brought, uh, trying to find fault, not so much with her. They were trying to find fault with Jesus and bring him charges against him because of the things that he'd been doing, things he'd been teaching, the claims that he had been making. But as a pastor, I have so many Times and I guess uh, right or wrong, I'm always looking for the evidence of somebody's salvation. Not that I'm judging them for whether or not they trusted Christ as their Savior, but their behavior. Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and we understand that there was some training in his life for time being. And then in Romans, uh, Josh has brought it up already, chapter number seven. I'm convinced he struggled immensely josh with the flesh he was always here you you are you my son grandson you're always i'm convinced that me you us all of us we're wanting to do every day what jesus wants us to do but i'm gonna tell you what the flesh sometimes gets the advantage and we give in to the flesh and to the spirit uh, and, uh, concerning her, I don't know. I don't know more than what we have here. And of course, when Jesus said, "Neither do I condemn thee," uh, that was he. He knew her. He knows us. He knows every part about us, and so he knew her. And sure. uh, him knowing her with what he did say, uh, the reality of it is, she she probably went and did not sin anymore. So let. Let me say this first uh, to, to piggyback off what you said about, you know, our own flesh nature and our desire to do good and, and to, to be like Christ. You know, just earlier today, I was praying, Lord, it's been a good day. I've not had any bad thoughts go through my mind. I've not said any bad words to people. I haven't said anything unkind. I haven't had any, any, any sinful thoughts, but I'm about to get out of bed in a minute. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I can't, I can't even say that. I get up sometimes with <laughs> you know, immoral. Uh, sometimes in my dreams, I get up and, and I'm thinking, "Wow, where?" Even when I'm sleeping, in my mind, I'm sinning. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you, know, you ever have dreams like that that you? Yeah. And, and yeah. they're just they're immoral. They, they would it would be worse than R-rated. Yeah. And that's, I say that sometimes at church from the pulpit, and people can't believe a preacher would say those kind of things. But that is exactly what happens this side of eternity, this side of heaven. 
and we don't we are not perfect and uh, this woman she went away neither condemned just as we have but uh she went away imperfect right but but she went away forgiven she, she did she, I, I she believe that away, she went away saved yes so she saved from sin Right. Uh, granted, she still can choose, and she is commanded by Christ to sin no more. And, and son, as far as we know, she said nothing more to Jesus other than right. no man. Jesus, where, where, where I'm saying? trying to take us in this, though, is yeah. woman, her salvation are, is not dependent upon her. He said, well, where are those thine accusers? And she said, no man, Lord. Lord, now that's clue. Uh, okay. That could be uh, that could be a clue right there, Lord, because you remember Paul, uh, his name was Saul at the time on the road to Damascus, and that could be a real clue there that she understood who he was. Could be, could it? But, this, but, this was... <laughs> but you're not going to surrender on this point, and that's fine. That's fine. We're going to get there. <laughs> We're going to get there. Uh, let, let's keep talking. So, so here, here's where we're at. My position on this is she was saved not because of her own merit. It, she's not saved because of condition of her heart. She is, in this situation, she is not saved because she asked for forgiveness. No. There's there's none of these things that are evident in, in this, but I believe that she is saved because she was forgiven. So so follow me. Just We're, we're going to agree right now, Dad and I. <laughs> he wants to know the condition of her heart. He wants to know what was going on. He wants to see evidence afterwards. That's fine. That's fine. Bear with me. We're, we're going to get there. So let's look at Luke chapter 7. Let's look at another woman. So let me take this to verse 36. Jesus, this one thing I like about Jesus uh, you, you keep looking at him a lot in the Bible. He shows up at a lot of parties. So uh, I, I heard a preacher out of California say one time, my Jesus, his first miracle was turning water into wine. He said, that's, that's the kind of God I like. So, uh, but what I do like is Jesus often went places and he sat and he broke bread and he spent time with people that others would not. So for instance, Let's talk about all of us really good Christians right now. So our us we really good Christians who would have no problem sitting down and breaking bread with sinners and who want to spend time with people, that's great. I think that's where our heart should be. Here's what's funny. Would you sit down and break bread with a Pharisee? Will you sit down and break bread with another Christian that's that you believe is self-righteous and torn up and just um uh, all about themselves, living in their own selfish, self-righteousness and selfishness. And you might even find yourself thinking, how in the world can you be a Christian if you are putting all your faith and trust in your own personal goodness? Jesus did. Because according to verse 36 of chapter 37, or I'm sorry, Luke 7, verse 36, it reads, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flax, a flask of ointment. And behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears 
and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man was a, were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of woman this is who's touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, saying, Simon, I have something to say to you. He answered, say it, teacher. Notice the way he addresses Jesus, teacher, not Lord. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss from the time I came in. She has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And then those who were at table with him began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So this one's got another element to it. But let me ask you, did she ask for forgiveness? No. Uh, no, no, there's no record of that she asked for forgiveness. Uh, uh, what I have uh, learned through study is that both the woman that we were discussing earlier and this woman as well, when you see women in Scripture that are brought in the context uh, to be in the forefront, as this woman has, it's always about redemption. And, and wow, she was redeemed. And and I, I would, you know, while you, while you were reading that, I was wondering, she, she don't even have the gospel yet. No. Paul said in the book of Corinthians, I declare unto you the gospel, which is the death, burial, and resurrection. None right. of that had happened yet. He, he had talked about it. You know, he said, right. this is what's going to happen. But she didn't even have the gospel. Isn't, isn't that true? I mean, he, yes. is, he is the gospel. Right. I mean, he's he's the gospel, but it had not been. He had not. The death hadn't occurred. His burial hadn't occurred. His resurrection hadn't occurred. So, what he said, he said, "Thy sins are forgiven." So, we, listen. Let, let's talk about that for just just a second. Pause. Your thought. She doesn't have the gospel yet. So, what's the gospel? We we talk about that as the good news. Okay, and and we want to focus on. Uh, this aspect that Jesus Christ was born, lived a perfect life, died on a cross. He was buried in a grave and rose on the third day. And that's the summary of the gospel that we want to talk about. But according to Paul, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Right. It, is, right. it is not believe on the death, burial, and resurrection. It, it, is, it is believing on Jesus Christ himself. So, so Well, I think that's part of it. It's the embodiment of all right. of that. All of it. I mean, he is every bit of that. 
Sure, and that is the story of the good news of, of God. God sent his son into the world right, right, so that the world through him might be saved. Josh brought it up uh, two or three times ago, James, where it says that the devils, they believe and tremble. Right. And so they believe. They believe they believe in God. They believe they, they know who Jesus is. They, they believe they know who Jesus is. Right. They know who God is. They believe right. that Jesus is God's son, but they haven't put their belief in. They don't that's have exactly, faith. They don't have faith. That's exactly right. They're in okay. opposition so it, to everything he is. They're antichrist. Right. Right. And in, in this same passage, we see in the very last verse of this passage, Jesus stated, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Yeah. yeah. So we, we know we here we actually get evidence of her heart. Uh, here we can see the actions of her weeping. Oh, absolutely. The woman who's caught in adultery, we don't yeah, see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, But the, the common element that's here is Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. And, and let me insert here, it was not anything that she did about you know, wiping his feet, you know, washing his feet. It wasn't, that wasn't what saved her. Right. It's what, it's, it was. It was the faith that she had to do that. that is that right? Josh, that's right. That's what she did, did not save her. No, but it was, it was definitely a sign of, all, of the faith that she had. It's all about Christ. But, yeah. it, but it does, and just as you said, it is a, a good uh, example of where her heart was. It, it is, and I, th- I think the tears, the weeping, yeah, that yeah. she that she wept over his feet. I think the probably realizing that her feet had, you know, I don't think she wept on his feet to get them wet so she could then dry them off and clean them with her hair. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think she was weeping over her brokenness, yeah. standing that close to to Christ, realizing. I, I believe she realized who Christ was. Imagine her demeanor versus the woman caught in adultery. Yeah. yeah I mean, her, the same thing true every, uh, every country in the world, people who are coming to Jesus for different reasons. And, and, and some, I don't know. I don't want to chase a rabbit here. Go ahead. No, no, no. Somebody said you chase a rabbit. Sometimes they're fat rabbits, so they're good. Can I? Can you know, I? Fat rabbit. Fat rabbits you can catch. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that rabbit we chased in Paradise. <laughs> yeah, you know, when you get to talking about scripture, just as we are, your mind, my mind, does your does it work somewhat like it? Just oh, that's you know, every one of us, each one of us who believe our, our faith is in Jesus Christ. As a result of that, we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. And we're sitting here talking about uh, subjects. We're talking about um, incidents within the Scripture. You've got to know that within each one of us, the Holy Spirit is leaping for joy because we're discussing because. We're discussing Jesus Christ and salvation and what he has made available to the entire world. And, and the scripture tells us, uh, I'm not, I'm going to go away, but I'm not going to leave you without a comforter. And when he comes, he's going to talk about, yeah. about me. And so now that here he is living on the inside of us and we're talking about the son of God, Jesus Christ. And you got to know that within each one of us, the Holy Spirit is just leaping for joy. And he's 
putting all other kind of thoughts within our mind at the same time that we can't possibly sandwich into an hour. You know, is that, does that make sense? Get, get this. You're in Tennessee. I'm in West Virginia. Josh was in South Carolina. There are hundreds of miles separating the three of us. But we are using modern technology to get together and talk <laughs> about talk about the Bible. And here's what's fascinating. Even in this forum where two or three are gathered oh, yeah, together. Yeah. That's good. There am I in the midst That's of this. So it's there's actually you, you hear three voices, folks. There's actually four people involved in this conversation. There you go. There you go. So so this is this is cool because where where I'm where I'm trying to get to, and I think the next one's gonna really bring this out, is Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus Christ is the incarnate body, the incarnate person of the Trinity. He is he is the physical representation of God. He is equal to the Father. He is equal to the Holy Spirit. He is the same as they are. And yet, each one of these three members of the, the Godhead point to one another, giving glory to one another. And Jesus Christ, God in flesh, forgives sins. And when he does, it's permanent. What I want to bring out is he is sovereign. He can save whom he chooses. It is we we are led to accept the gift of God through Jesus Christ. And our only involvement in this is saying, Yes, I accept Jesus Christ as my right. Savior. Yes, I put my faith and trust in him. It's just that simple, folks. And you don't here's what's neat. You don't have to understand that. You just no. have to accept it. It's so true. so th- this is the difference between us and the demons. This is the difference between us and the devils. We can do that. They can't. So they, they don't even have that opportunity, but we do. But God saves whom he chooses because God is sovereign. He offers to all who will, but not all accept. And then as we continue this journey, if I may, we, we, we're talking about this woman who, who wept over his feet. Let's go ahead and there's one other individual I want to look at, but there's two passages hey, well. of Scripture. While you're pulling that up, I just want to give recognition to somebody that embodies the the example that um, Jesus gives in this passage that we we read um, very, very well, better than anybody else I know, and that would be uh, Roger Kittle. I remember um, one time whenever we were uh, in Hickson and going to, um, I forget the name of the church, and I wouldn't say it anyways, but going to one church, and uh, um, you and I, Dad, and uh, we we stayed there for like five minutes and uh, the, the pastor came up and was talking about how much money they raised and, and how much money that um, they had, you know, put into so-and-so and all that they had done. And you and I, I remember looking at each other um, saying, yeah, this isn't it. And so we went to Roger kills church in St. Elmo. And uh, not only this experience, but, but other experiences that we've all had with Roger. Um, but uh, the, uh, you know the just the 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 grace and love and and um, uh, kindness that that he showed in his body of uh, in in the church that that he was shepherding um, was just just perfectly um, uh, 
shows the the same love that that Christ was was giving in the same way um, in Luke chapter seven. That's good. Josh, do you remember the sermon he was preaching that day? No. I think it had a had a much more interesting title than this, but for me, it was uh, "There are no magic words to get you into heaven." Yeah, because he used that expression a few times, and I, he he stood up in front of the in front of his congregation, which Josh helped me out. Was it 15, 20 people, maybe? Yeah, maybe twenty five, thirty, thirty at the very most. He, he stood up, Dad, and he he pointed at a few of his church members, called him my name, and he said, "Shame on you." He pointed at somebody else. He said, "Shame on you." He pointed another member. He said, "Shame on you!" And then he pointed at Carol, and he said, "Shame on you, Carol!" He said, "Shame on me!" He said, "Here's why I'm shaming all of us, because we have all lied to our children. We've all told them this is the way to get into heaven. Repeat these words, and we've quote unquote oh, led them in a sinner's prayer." Yeah. He he said, "But I've been reading." He said, "And this is what I found in Psalm 51." And he started in Psalm 51. He talked about talked about the only the only sacrifice that is pleasing to God is a broken and contrite heart. And he talked about being broken over your sinfulness, being broken over your need for a savior. Which is interesting that we're talking about that, Josh, because this woman that we just talked about, she displayed her brokenness over her she sin did. as yeah. she wept over the feet of Jesus. So I, I think, um, you know, it's it, it's right. There's no magic words to get you into heaven. And and listen, when, when I said a moment ago, you know, as Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And all we have to do is say, yes, I accept that. Those are not the magic words. It's It's not just saying something. It's what's happening on the inside. Do you truly believe? And granted, Dad, you're talking about the woman caught in adultery. We, we don't know what the condition of her heart was. That's fine. We can see here what the condition of this woman's heart was in uh, Luke 7. But let's move forward to Mark 2. And we're also going to look at Matthew 9, two accounts of the same story. So Mark 2, verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was laying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? And what you know, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, take up, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. 
And before we have commentary, if you'll excuse me one second, I want to jump right over to Matthew 9, the same story. And getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For what is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God who had given such authority to men. So, let me ask you this. First question, and as we've been asking of the others, was the paralytic man saved? Yeah, absolutely. God, I, Christ said, um, he told him, said, son, your, your sins are forgiven. Chapter five or uh, verse five of Mark two, and I would say uh, he, yeah, he was healed spiritually before he was healed physically, but he got two okay. healings, didn't he? He did uh, without asking for either. Right? Is that right? It is, but there's because, because of their faith. Right. Uh, I've always been fascinated. So, so let's let's back up for a second. The woman who wept over Jesus' feet, he told her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Here, he's forgiving a man, not all five of them, because remember, there are four men carrying one man, so it's a total of five. He <laughs> forgave the one man who was on the mat, and, he, and it says, having seen their faith. So, verse 5 of Mark 2 says, Jesus saw their faith. Matthew 9, does it talk about the same? Yes, in Matthew 9, verse 2, it yeah. says, and when Jesus saw their faith. Yes, see in their faith. Plural. So faith has a role here. So my question is, so we answered the first question, is the man saved? Did, did he get saved? So we're talking about salvation. So was he saved that day? I think we all concurred with yes. But so having accepted that, yes, he was saved, my next question is, who had faith in the story? So was it the four men? Was it all five men? Was the man's faith important in his salvation? I think asking questions that draw out speculation on, as you said, we have the fact that their faith, but it could include him as well. Okay. Could it? Because you yes. see in their faith, you could see the faith. And I, I had never even thought that I, you know, I preached messages before kind of labeling four different things about faith there. Yeah, but uh, it could even include, his faith, when it says seeing their faith. Right. There could be four and also five. So we, we know this. His four friends brought him to Jesus. Yeah. Because yeah. they believed that Jesus could heal him. 
They believed in Jesus. So I believe. So let's put it this way, Dad. Uh, I believe that if someone were threatening to take my life physically, I believe that you as my father would love me enough to stand between me and that person to sacrifice your life for me. But as your adult son, I'm going to have a hard time allowing you to do that. But if I put my faith in you to do so, I would allow you to get between me and that person. So there is a difference here. I I believe that I can understand the intent of your heart, but the action of that belief is something different. So this, these four men put legs, they put movement on their faith, bringing this man to Jesus. We see evidence of their faith. And this paralytic, we can only, as you said, we can only assume the condition of his faith, whether he believed Jesus or not. But at this point, think about the, uh, think about the, the man by the uh, pool. Which pool was it? It was it the, pool the pool of Bethesda. The pool of Bethesda. The pool of Bethesda. Yeah. When he had been laying there waiting for the angel to stir the waters. And he, he's been waiting there, hoping for that moment. And he's put his faith that if the, if the water was stirred and he got into it, he'd be healed. And when Jesus interacted with him. Yeah. He was there for Jesus decades. Decades. That's right. uh, it was. So... Yeah. Just, just yep. this man being a paralytic as well. He's he's got no hope except Jesus. Can you imagine him saying he can't walk? He's paralytic. Mm-hmm. He can't walk, but he can talk. I can imagine saying, "Let's go." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and then, again, you know that's that's speculation. That's that's yeah, I know. It is. I know. I don't know. But it's like, it, where are you guys taking me? We're taking you to see Jesus. <laughs> yeah, <Okay. laughs> but just don't draw me, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just don't draw me before we get there. Can, I, I cannot imagine, though, that he ever thought that I'm going to take up my bed and walk. Right. I'm going to get my couch someplace that says my bedroll, what it amounted to, just to buy a sleeping bag. I'm going to roll it up, and I'm going to – I don't think that ever entered his mind until Jesus said and he did that to prove to the doubters and naysayers that he could forgive sins. So did, what, did he what forgive? Did he did he forgive the sins just to make a point with the Pharisees or with the scribes? Uh, he made them, He always for, was forgiven to make his point, but not not uh, he came into this world to save that which was lost, and so he came to save everybody. Can you agree? Not that everybody yes. be saved. But he came to save everybody, including this paralytic, uh, and the others that we spoke about tonight, me and you, us. Um, uh, he came to save us because we were lost, and the only way that we can ever be found is by through him, by him, and the, for him speaking what he did here, not only for the benefit of this man who couldn't walk, but it was also for the benefit of those who doubted and were naysayers and always looking. They were still trying to find fault with him. Right. That that was the religious crowd. The religious crowd today is still trying to find fault with Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this. 
John the Baptist, real quick. Yeah. Was he saved? John the Baptist? Yeah, I think he was saved before he ever came into the world. Right. So let's talk about that. Did he have to accept Jesus Christ? No, no, I don't know. Uh, let me ask you a question. He came to baptize. Let me ask you if all the disciples were, were any of them baptized. Uh, not that I have any recollection of. <laughs> There's no record of it. I mean, we we can say Peter was by self baptism because he just he jumped in the water, water quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, if I had a bathtub, that's easy to do myself. <laughs> but but no, I, I don't have I don't have any recollection of look any at the, of the look at the ones among them that doubted all the time. I know. I mean, it wasn't just Thomas. Oh, Peter uh, he wasn't just it wasn't just Peter who said, "Hey, the rest of them might leave, but I'm gonna stay here with you. You <laughs> die, I'm gonna die." John the Baptist. The Bible's clear; every one of them left. Yeah, uh, they were all just uh, embodied in the flesh. The the only one that we're certain was at the foot of the cross was John. Where That's right. Because he, he, he's, he's he's the one the, the beloved. Yeah, you're right. So it's that that leads me to believe that that the rest of them were gone. Uh, I, I think yeah. they were at least at, in the, at, at the distance in the crowd. Peter, Peter denied. Peter denied him. Right. I don't know him, and even you know, I don't know what those curse words were, but he he cursed and said, "No, I don't know him." Right. The same that, that might have led to the Lord saying, "You love me." <laughs> no, I enjoy I, this. This evening has been remarkably good. We're we're not done yet. Okay. We've, okay. we've got just a few minutes. Okay. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. This this is uh, kind of where I want to take us. So we, we've been, just real quick recap. So we looked at the woman who was caught in adultery, and we saw very little evidence of her interaction in her salvation. We saw the woman who was a sinful woman who came and wept over Jesus' feet, and we saw her evidence of brokenness, but she didn't ask for forgiveness. But Jesus stated it was her faith that saved her. We saw the paralytic brought to Jesus and lowered through the roof in one account. And uh, Jesus stated in both accounts, my son, your sins are forgiven you because it says he saw their faith. So now if we look at, Hebrews chapter 11. Let me read through this real quick. So many refer to this, and, and I like this reference. They call this the hall of faith. So in my mind, as you walk through this, we're looking at Old Testament saints. And uh, it's got 40 verses, but I'm going to read it very quickly to get us to the end and then brief discussion on it before we close for the this evening. So as you walk down this, I feel like we're standing there looking at portraits of these Old Testament saints. It makes me think of the the scriptorium at the Holy Land Experience in the, in uh, Orlando, Florida. And at the end of that walkthrough tour, you're standing there and you're looking at actual individuals from the Bible, paintings, portraits of those individuals representing them, and then listening to them tell you about the Word of God. And it's that's, that's incredible, folks. If you ever get a chance to go see that, that's something worth seeing. Anyway, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their condemnation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. By God, able 
excuse me, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. But God commending him by accept, uh, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he could not see death. He was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, is it impossible to please God? For whomever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah being warned of God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he co- condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. He went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land, prom- land of promise and as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with whom with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city that was found that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful, who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These are all these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of a land from which they had gone gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called the God, their God, for he was has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated and the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. 
by faith. The people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned by faith. The walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? From t- For time will fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to fight, to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They were about they went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. All of these, though though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So, there is something that is recurring in this entire chapter, and it is the expression by faith. So some may ask the question, so Dan, if we need to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if we need to believe Jesus Christ, and we're on this side of the resurrection, we're on this side of the crucifixion, we're on this side of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, what are we putting faith in? My argument to you, sir, ma'am, is you're putting your faith in Christ, just as these in the Old Testament did. And what's fascinating for me here is how that Moses, according to verse 26, Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. It is fascinating because I believe they put their faith and trust in God and what God told them to do. They did it obedient, obediently. They put their faith in something beyond their present life. They put their faith in a, in a country that they had not seen yet, and that is, that is the home country of God's land, is the home country of heaven. That's where they were hoping to live their eternal lives through faith in God, just as we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that he paid the penalty for our sins, that he is the propitiation for our sins, as Scripture says, and that we are putting our faith in him, that through him we are found righteous, just as they, in Hebrews 11, were found righteous because of their faithfulness. We are found righteous because of our faithfulness in Jesus Christ. Any comments, gentlemen? I think it's amazing how our the 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 yardstick that we use 
to measure a person's worth. And the 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 standard that that God uses to measure a person's worth are completely different. Um, we we were talking about um, within that passage. Um, it, it talks about Sarah and how Sarah had uh, had had the faith um, to, uh, to that that um, to to uh, bear children in her old age. And I'm reading that, and I'm like, that's I don't I remember things a little bit differently um, back in that story. Uh, you know, her telling her husband to go, you know, lay with another woman because uh, it obviously couldn't have been her because she was too old. Right. Maybe we misunderstood what God said or, or, you know, <laughs> instead of, instead of going through and, and aligning, but even, even in that, the, the amount of faith that she had was enough for, for, for God. Um, and I, you know, for, for me looking into it, I wouldn't have counted her within these same people um, that that are mentioned within here. I wouldn't have counted her within within with Abraham or with Moses or um, with with the others with the amount of faith that we can clearly see from them. Um, it's just you know it it's it's very convicting for me and and what I how I view people how I need to start viewing people, you know, and with you know, that, you know, the, the, that's, that's what saves us is that faith. I, we, you know, we, we, it's, it's not a lot of faith. It's, it's, a, you know, God, God views the heart. It's uh, what I've, I've heard many times. <clears throat> so when we get to heaven, we're going to be surprised who we see there. And some of them are going to be surprised that they see us there. <laughs> it's all because it's, it's all because of faith. So Billy Billy Graham puts it this way: He says, or used to say, like well, he probably still says it now. So he he he's probably living out his own statement because he said, when you get to heaven, there's three things that are going to surprise you. First, you're going to be surprised at some of the people you see there. <laughs> and he said, second, you're going to be surprised at some of the people you don't see there. And he said, then third, when you get to thinking about it, you'll probably be surprised that you're there. <laughs> That's true. It's all, uh, because of this. it's all because of the grace of God through yes, Jesus Christ. Exactly right. It's where I've been trying to go through this. The closest argument that we can have that we are an agent in our salvation is that we've put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But I continue to have the position that that is something that I am not able to do on my own. I would argue that's something that Josh and Dad, you were not able to do on your own. I believe that is that is divine knowledge that's given to you from, from God the Father of who Jesus Christ is and that led you to the faith in Jesus Christ. So, at best, I've accepted the gift that's been given me. But it's nothing. It's but my sinfulness or lack thereof is not is not a determination of my salvation. It may be evidence of my carnality. It may be evidence of my immaturity. It may be evidence of my my weakness as as a Christian and not placing my faith daily in Jesus Christ. But if I have 
truly placed my faith in him and accepted his gift of salvation, I am saved. And that salvation is instant, it is permanent, it is indelible. And if I allow it, it will change my life. That's true. Well said. So, anything else you gentlemen want to add? None, none for me. Folks, that's, that's the end of uh, this episode and, and our conversation. But, but next week, we, we hope to wrap this uh, entire conversation of salvation up. And I, I, I want to look at a couple of things. I, I want to look at this uh, concept of the Lamb's Book of Life. So if you're hearing this and, uh, and you have a, a, some time to do some, some of your own study, I would encourage you to do your own reading. I, I encourage you to look at uh, Revelations chapter 17, Revelations chapter, or Revelation, excuse me, chapter 3, Exodus 32, and Psalm 69. And we're going to talk about this uh, thing called the Lamb's Book of Life or the Book of Life. So uh, I'm looking forward to that conversation as well as I have the others. And uh, until next week, we uh, hope that God blesses you and keeps you and blesses you and your family. And gentlemen, do you you have any prayer requests? Many. I won't mention all of them. A pastor friend of mine passed away this week. Lee Bird. And, oh, wow. Uh, I appreciate the prayers for the Bird family. Another lady who has uh, asked me at her passing to uh, help with her funeral. And uh, I would uh, appreciate an opportunity to visit with her, talk with her, pray with her prior to her departure from this world. I'd appreciate you praying. I'll just mention her first name is Sherry. And uh, right now she's real reluctant to allow that. So just to ask the Lord to kind of open that door so that I can talk to her. Josh, any? We had a uh, um, an individual that worked uh, or or at work um, at the the new company that we've merged into um, uh, during my day job that uh um. Uh, lost the his battle with cancer last week, um, and so just I I don't remember his name, um, but but you know just keep his family and uh, in your prayers if you will as they go through this trying time. Gentlemen, if if y'all don't have any objections, if you don't mind, I'll pray. Oh. Father, thank you for your grace. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time. This is a great blessing in my life for me to spend time with uh, these two great men that I admire very much. Father, this is is my earthly father that you've blessed me with, and in him I am very well pleased. Father, this is my son that you've given me, one of the greatest gifts of my life, and in him I am very well pleased. Father, I just thank you for the blessing that you've given me of them in my lives, Father. Father, I just, um, I thank you for the gift of your son 
I thank you for the opportunity that we've had to to put our faith and trust in him. Father, I just uh, ask that those who hear this, Father, that that anything that they're thinking about their own personal salvation, Father, whether they uh, feel the drawing of the Holy Spirit, Father, and they uh, choose to accept Christ, I, I pray that they will. Father, anyone who may be struggling with uh, confidence in their salvation, Father, that they'll they'll become hungry and study, and and they'll become uh, have a, a deep desire to know about what your Word teaches them about this gift of salvation. Father, I just ask that you continue to work in our hearts, Father. And Father, I just ask that you uh, be with this individual dad mentioned, Father, named Sherry. Father, you uh, know her health situation and what's going on there. Father, I just ask that you uh, touch her body, touch her heart, Father. Just, um, you're, you're, as we've already read, Father, you, you healed a paralytic. Father, you healed him after you forgave him of his sins. Father, you showed that you could do that. Uh, Jesus, you you did that. Uh, and we thank you that the examples there, we know that you still heal. Uh, and, Father, we ask that you uh, touch Sherry, Father, and you heal her. Father, I ask that you be with the Bird family, Father. I thank you for the ministry that Lee Bird had. Father, I just ask that you uh, be with his family. Give them a peace that passes all understanding, Father. Thank you for the hope that they can have, that they can see uh, their their father, their husband again, Father, as in heaven, uh, as they too uh, put their trust in Christ. And Father, finally, Joshua's uh, family from work, he mentioned as, as they've lost a loved one, Father, I just ask you, work there, Father, you give them peace. Father, just uh, comfort their, their loss. Father, I finally, uh, I, I unashamedly will ask you, I, there's a job that you know the situation, and, and I really want that job. So I don't mind telling you that at all. Father, I will tell you this as well. If it's not your will for me to have that job, I want your will more than I want that job. And that's, uh, that's a little scary for me. Father, I truly, truly want to be in the center of your will. Father, if that's the door you'd have us to walk through, I ask that you open it. But if it's not, just close it shut. Father, I just uh, ask you to continue to work in our hearts. Father, just work in Dad's heart and Joshua's heart and mine. Make us mighty men of valor. Father, give us courage, give us wisdom, give us strength as we leave our lead our families, Father, as we... Uh, interact with others. Father, help us to be just a beacon of Jesus Christ, Father. you. We read tonight that Christ said, I am the light of the world, Father. Just help us to reflect Him through us. Allow Him to shine through us. Father, we just ask all these things in the name that is above all names, the name that is worthy to receive honor, glory, and power. Father, we praise you for who you are. You're a great, almighty God. Thank you for your Son, and in his name, in the name of Jesus Christ. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
If you're enjoying the Thanks to Calvary podcast, make sure to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thanks to Calvary. If you would like to reach out to us for prayer requests, ideas for future episodes, or just to say hi, message us on Facebook or leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm slash thanks to Calvary slash message or email us at thanks to Calvary podcast at gmail.com.